Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Moon Knight, Episode 3, The Friendly Type. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast, which of the Moon Knight identities is going to be this week? Nope, it's Slash Film Editor Brad Oman. Uh, Hey, that's me. Uh, I don't know who I am. This This is a terrible accident, probably. Well, a lot of people from London are, or the UK are criticizing Oscar Isaac for uh, the accent as well. So, I mean, from what I understand, it's it's pretty good. At least that's our own <laughs> Hannah Shaw Williams. She, she's a Brit and she she thinks it's really good in the show. So I've, I've seen some criticism, but um, well, of course, I mean, everybody's a critic, including us. So, yeah, on the other hand, it's not his real accent, right? Like he's in a another personality yeah i mean and i think that that's actually something that oscar isaac actually said is that he didn't want it to be perfect because the fact is that like it's a essentially like uh more than likely like a manufactured identity to help like keep him you know safe and whatnot uh probably to hide away when he needs to uh things like that and so it's not necessarily meant to be super authentic yes okay uh you know, as you know, with these episodes, we have it divided into four segments. Feedback, which is answering your emails. We go into brief reactions on the episode. Then we go breakdown of the beat by beats of everything that happened. And then we, get, we end things in speculation. So let's start things off with feedback. Uh, Rides in Southern California writes in. This is a long one. So uh, let's let's get into it. Um, with Moon Knight, we have our first new never before seen character getting his own show we we get to follow this new character and learn about who he is so far the other new characters being introduced in the mcu in phase four we have seen them backdoored into existing characters shows slash movies you know kate bishop and hawkeye monica and wandavision and america chavez and, and doctor strange in the multiverse of madness uh the exception would be shang chi if you look at the upcoming Marvel movies, all are sequels for or, or reboots to some in some capacity of existing characters we have seen in film, but not necessarily in the MCU. 
We have Thor, Ant-Man, Black Panther, Guardians, Blade, and so on. If you look at the upcoming streaming shows, we see a pattern of new, never-before-seen characters being introduced in their own series. We have Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Ironheart. Looking at the MCU filmography, we see fewer and fewer of the solo new character movies being produced in the in the phases. Do you think that Marvel wants to start shifting away from introducing new characters with solo films and instead, you know, introducing them either backdooring them as a side character in a movie or giving them their own TV series? I thought this was like an interesting observation. I'm not sure if I have an answer, but Brad, uh, what do you think of this? Um, I don't know. I think it's just a matter of like whatever fits like the their plan and the character. You know, I think that um, for Moon Knight, like I mean, as of right now, Oscar Isaac isn't contracted to do anything beyond this first season. You know, um, there's no deal in place for him to do another season of Moon Knight or for him to appear in any Marvel movies, even though that's that likely will happen one way or or the other. Um, but I think that really it's probably just a matter of um, how it works for certain characters. With uh, When it comes to this character, it'd probably be pretty hard to do like a full-on origin story as a movie, even though I think the format of this particular series might have lended itself better to a movie than a TV series as the story um, has been told in this fashion. But I think that I- – I'm not sure that we'll necessarily see uh, more new characters – introduced by way of tv series so that they don't have to do it in in movies i just think that there are some characters who are likely they're a little bit more risky as far as box office is concerned because they're more obscure characters that haven't necessarily had the same uh long-lasting legacy as characters like spider-man or or thor and captain america and so starting them off on tv is just a, a smart thing to do financially um, but I, I don't think that means that we won't see new characters introduced, you know, in movies after, yeah. after all, we're getting uh, America Chavez and Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Um, and so I think that we'll, we'll still see new characters introduced both in TV and the big screen. Yeah. Well, the email mentions her, but it says like, you know, you're kind of backdooring the character into an existing, but, that, know, but that's also franchise. what they did, you know, with, uh, with black Panther with, and, and Spider-Man and Captain Falcon. America civil war. Yeah. Falcon as well. So. You know, I think this is a problem. This isn't like a new approach to Marvel Studios. I think this is, I don't want to say the word problem because that makes it sound like it's a bad thing, but it seems like Marvel, uh, and correct me if you you think I'm wrong here, Brad, but it, it seems like their plan is to do a trilogy for each of these characters. You know, sometimes they'll go more, but it seems like, you know, Iron Man got a trilogy. You know, like they want to do a trilogy. So you introduce a new character. So say you introduce Iron Man, you now in subsequent years need to do an Iron Man 2 and an Iron Man 3, or you need to do an Ant-Man 2 and an Ant-Man 3. You need to do a you know, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. So now for every solo film that you have, you are adding kind of in the future, unless, you know, unless something like Eternals happens and you probably aren't going to have Eternals 2, uh, which we don't know is the fa- uh, the case, but I'm, I'm guessing, uh, then you, you kind of you have more sequel films on the, on the lineup than you do originals is what I think is happening. So Disney plus is giving them room to introduce new characters that they probably wouldn't have had theatrically because how many Marvel films can you release a year at this point? Do they have like four? I think it's, uh, yeah, it's three or four. I know that they've already hit 
uh, three um, as of last year, and I it might be four this year. I forget. Yeah. So, so what do you think of that that theory? Um, I mean, in some ways, it it like it makes sense, but like uh, I don't know. I, I still think it just it goes back to the idea of a lot of these other characters. I think that you know maybe they think would have trouble sustaining uh, a feature film as opposed to a, you know a series. And at the end of the day you know, Disney plus is, you know, this separate entity where they need to have content that draws in eyes and having, you know, cinematic, uh, quality Marvel content is a good way to do that while still being able to expand, you know, the big screen Marvel cinematic universe and tell stories that can easily tie into those movies. So I think it's a a little column, a a little column B. Yeah. Okay. We got another email from Chris T he writes in, uh, so it seems like having moon Knight have multiple personality disorder is fraught with problematic mental health issues one that disney might not want to deal with what if steven and mark are two different individuals in one body my idea is that mark died pretty sure they established that that in episode two and Kanchu resurrected him so death splits your soul and the corporate whole body needs to be a whole soul to occupy it so steven is also dead and is basically filling the rest of the soul pie chart in mark's body so steven was probably picked because he is considered weak and easy for mark to control obviously that wasn't true a nice twist in the future could be that if mark dies and is resurrected again we need more soul and another personality comes into play if that hasn't already happened already. Brad, what do you think of this theory? Um, some of it is interesting, like the idea of like a, a soul being split and, the, and that kind of thing. But I think the whole point of having a character with, uh, it's actually a dissociative identity disorder in this one, um, yeah. is that it creates a different kind of character. And this one is actually done that was handled delicately. Um, it, it's it's not the kind of thing where they're, they're treating it like um, a an ailment that's meant to be like, uh, shunned or anything like that, or used strictly for comedy. Um, you know, the, the filmmakers do their due diligence and people who have dissociative identity disorder, uh, genu- genuinely and generally do experience it like this with blackouts where they don't know what happened, um, and are unaware of the things that their, you know, uh, alters have, have done during that time. So, uh, I think in this case, it's just using something, a, a real ailment to tell a story that uh, allows it to create an air of mystery um, and create this uh, story that follows a character who has trouble, you know, knowing exactly what they're doing. Yeah. We should say that multiple personality disorder is something that it has been called in the past. Um, I think I might have even used that term on this podcast at one point because it's like so kind of ingrained and uh pop culture i guess um but it's actually not a real thing the did dissociative identity disorder is like the real mental health condition that this is based on and uh they actually had people like they had uh uh medical people consult on this so there's like uh supposedly quite accurate like I, I heard even like the like how the eyes roll into the head sometimes like that happens and stuff like that so i mean i'm not saying that like people with the id uh you know dress in a suit and fight crime but <laughs> you, you know the portrayal of did is what i'm saying so 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, do you do you think Marvel needs to explain this, or could it just be like Marvel's take on DID? Like, I feel like. I mean, I wouldn't you know, be surprised. Let's, let's normalize things and show what DID is, you know, aside from like maybe the more comical, you know, multiple personality disorder like takes we've seen in the past of cinema and TV and stuff like that. I feel like it, it, it's just as worthy. Like, I don't think they should be shying away from it being DID. Yeah. And I think it's pretty clear what, what's happening here, you know, with, with between Mark and Steven anyway. Uh, and, and that's what's going on. So, like, if there's any explanation, it will it will more so dive into, you know, the um, the background of Mark Spector and how Stephen Grant came to be, or vice versa, even dep- you know, depending on uh, how it happened and you know what has happened between Conchu and, and Mark Spector and any other identities that might be lingering inside of the this body. Yeah, you weren't here on last week's podcast, but I I theorize that I think we're going to end up seeing the origin of Moon Knight uh later in the series so um i mean we can talk about that later because there's some stuff that comes up but before we get into it uh episode three titled the friendly type brad what are your brief thoughts on this episode um i think that this is probably on the lower end of these first four episodes that we were given in advance um there's not a ton that happens uh there's a little bit of wheel spinning uh, this is one of those episodes that made me feel like they could have sped things up and turned this into a movie rather than a, a, a TV series. A new MacGuffin. We got to find another person to find another map to find the thing. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of running around and just trying to find things and leading, leading to the next part. And I think they could have just gone a lot lot faster. Uh, that said, there's still some uh, pretty cool action sequences and uh, some good stuff for for Ethan Hawke to do. But uh, yeah, I would say just a, a fairly middling episode of of Moon Knight. Yeah, I think this is the least exciting episode so far, but I do like um, how it goes big with this uh, international location of Egypt. It kind of feels more like almost like a, the mummy or an Indiana Jones-esque, like, especially with them, like, you know, all like searching for this artifact. Uh, I like that it has a lot more lore and mythology to it, and I think the people that do enjoy this episode more because I've seen mixed response to this online. Some people, uh, I want to say like half the people seem to be, uh, on your side of things, Brad, the saying this is the least exciting episode so far. And then I see some people being like, this is the best episode so far. And I think those people from what I'm gathering and looking at their, their, their reactions, it seems to be the enjoyment of, uh, two things. One, the mythology and lore expansion and like the you know just like the whole like egyptian like searching after artifacts kind of like it it being kind of like raiders or the mummy or kind of thing and i i see both sides of that uh but i do think this is probably the the third best episode of the series so far and uh i think we both hinted that we we really like next week's episode so stay tuned if you are if you have any hesitations on staying after, you know, this episode kind of like spun its gears a little bit um, because some interesting stuff happens. Uh, but we will not spoil any of that stuff in this episode. So don't you worry. Um, I guess let's uh, let's get into the breakdown. Let's let's start going into this episode. Uh, the title of this episode is The Friendly Type. What do you think this is a uh, refer referring to, Brad? You tell me. You always ask me, and I. Want I don't know this. This one, I don't really have a theory. This one seems a little less obvious. 
Oh, okay, okay. I see. No, the I, friendly type. I mean, I don't, mm. I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah, I don't know. Why don't you let us know? Maybe, maybe it's super obvious, and I just didn't uh, get it. But uh, you know, send us an email, Peter at Um Okay, let's get into our breakdown. Uh, Leila gets a passport made by a forger, and uh, it's super cool to see the creation of a forged passport. And um, it's interesting. She says, uh, I don't steal. They have already been stolen. I, I take them off the black market and return them to the rightful owners. And I might keep a few to pay the bills. Why is it that like now modern movies and TV shows, when it has to do with like these kind of artifacts, they have to ex- like go into the morals of treasure hunters. Like I feel like back in the day with Raiders of the Lost Ark, like there could be some moral ambiguity and like they didn't have to explain you know, then there was like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and it's like, you know, there was that whole line in that. I mean, I guess there was lines earlier. Of it belongs in the museum and stuff like that. Uh, but what do you think about that, Brad? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's more so this, yeah, this idea of just like having to like present like a reasoning for like what certain characters are doing and why, just to provide a sense yeah. of motivation. Uh, and I, yeah, I do agree that it's not always necessary. Like sometimes you just kind of understood these people want it because yeah, they, they either want to, to sell it or they want to, to keep it for themselves, you know, fortune and glory basically. Yeah. I do like that. Everybody in the story ha- has their own reasons and they all make sense and they all think they're doing the right thing for them. Yeah. And maybe even this world. Um. <laughs> And we, we learn a little bit about Layla here. She's originally from Cairo. Her father was an archaeologist. She grew up on his dig sites. Uh, later in the episode, we learn that the people of Cairo don't like her last name. We learned some more. We'll get to the more stuff later. But why do you think the people of Cairo don't like her last name? I mean, I'm willing to bet it probably has something to do with uh, her family's legacy, maybe some stuff that she's uh, done in her past that have made her, you know, a target for others, you know. Yeah. That's probably Probably stealing their, you know, ancestral relics and selling them. Right. On the black market, I'm guessing. Uh, It's uh, also... Do you think this woman is her mother, or do you think this is just some woman that worked with her father? Yeah, I think it's just somebody who was like a contact for uh, her father, and it's clearly is very good at getting uh, certain papers, documents, what have you, that are needed to bypass authorities and sneak around. Also, I want to say that it's becoming clearer more and more that this character, even though her name is Layla, is based on this character in the comics called Marlene. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, Arthur uses the scarab to find Amit's tomb. And Mark has no idea where it is still. So he gets into a fight with a few of Arthur's followers on a rooftop. And they have uh, they have knives, but Mark is able to take them down with his hands. What did you think of this whole like rooftop fight sequence? To me, it like felt like this episode is heavy on us explaining things. Let's have some action up front so that people won't be like scared yeah for sure it's you know it's, it's a fun action sequence there's some you know uh interesting camera work that really gets in there in the, in the middle of the fight uh and that was you know refreshing to see but yeah it felt like action for the the sake of action even though it does uh, allow a bit of the you know the alter transfer back and forth to create some disorientation and 
uh, as we see, it also does uh, introduce what seems to be a third personality. Uh, okay, so what you're saying there is, uh, so Mark sees Stephen in the reflection of the knife, and, uh, and this, is after presumably... he, this is after he's stabbed a bunch of the people who are chasing them, which is a little bit more harsh than you know even Mark Spector would do. Yeah, he and he presumably uh, gives over his body to Stephen or someone, and he, we wake back up and he's in the back of a cab which is apparently on its way to his airport he spots one of those goons that uh coming out of the police station or coming out of somewhere and he chases them through a bazaar on the streets of cairo and he gets hit in the head and again gives over his body to someone and this time awakening with a knife in his hand having stabbed one of the goons and yeah, sorry, oh, I jumped ahead a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the cinematography here is pretty cool because this is like this transition between the two moments, like uh, matching them. And uh, so Stephen is in the reflection of the bloody knife and he basically says it wasn't me. So who, who was it, Brad? Well, there has been some uh, theorizing that there is a, a third identity uh, inside the body of Mark slash Stephen. Uh, and that's actually something that comes from Marvel Comics, which means we'll probably end up meeting whoever this third personality is at some point. Uh, in the comics, it's somebody named Jake Lockley. Um, and Jake is basically what you would call the, the street level element of Moon Knight's uh, crime fighting activities. He's uh, a cab driver who's kind of like a detective, um, has a lot of connections in, in New York, and he's, uh, as we see here, a bit more gruff than uh, either Mark or Steven. So that's likely uh, who this personality is that we've seen appear briefly uh, in, in this uh, moment. I've even seen some people saying that we see this personality in this episode. I'm not sure if that's true because there's a moment where um... – it's a, a moment when Layla shows up and it's the accent that that Oscar is using seems different than the other two personalities, but I'm not sure if I buy it. So just putting that out there just in case. Um, <clears throat> so uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. So Conchu uh, has Mark hang the last goon over the ledge of the cliff to make him reveal where the dig site is. And the, the goon cuts himself free and kills himself uh, because he, he believes in his cause. And Mark wonders if they could get the other gods to help, but Kanchu believes they would destroy Mark, they would imprison him in stone, uh, foreshadowing the end of this episode. And Kanchu says, see how you would fare against Harrow without the protection of my healing armor. Did we know that he had healing abilities prior to this? Um, I don't think so, but I think it was just kind of assumed that the armor kept him protected. Yeah. Well, we definitely see it later in the episode. We'll get to that. And we definitely, uh, last episode, I think, hinted or confirmed that Mark is dead and it's keeping him alive. Maybe not the armor but his relationship with Kanchu. Uh, so anyways, Kanchu creates an eclipse of the sun calling for a meeting of all the avatars. Even though the light is nearly gone, Arthur tells his crew to keep on digging. Like, you know, like keep at it. Uh, so this meeting 
of the avatars in the is in the chamber inside the great pyramids of Giza, and uh, it's a cool looking location. And you really see that they're spending their money on you know this location among, amongst like a, a lot of the stuff in this episode. Um, I do want to bring up. I'm not sure if you remember this, Brad, but in the first episode, Stephen went into work at his museum, and there was a little girl who tried to like shove her trash in the in the model of the pyramid and her excuse was it's not like there's anything in there right so so that, that was a call uh it's a call to this moment i think anyways uh so mark meets yarzil who is the avatar of hathor i'm probably pronouncing all these wrong i apologize uh hathor was a major goddess in the ancient egyptian religion who played a variety of roles but in uh in the marvel cinematic universe she's basically the goddess of love beauty and music and uh we learned learned that Kanchu used to be friends with yarzil so there's a, a relationship there which i'm sure will come into play later uh the avatars of the other gods are at this meeting to hear Kanchu out and he communicates by t- taking over mark's body and Kanchu claims that the other gods abandon humanity, but they believe that humanity abandoned them. They trust their avatars to carry out their purposes without causing attention, while Kanchu believes the might of the gods is needed. This whole thing feels like very eternal. Like, what, what, what do you think made the Egyptian gods believe that humanity abandoned them? Yeah, I'm I'm wondering about that too because I you definitely get an Eternals vibe from it, uh, since the all these gods have you know only observed what's happening through these avatars. They're sitting in some place called the Overvoid, and yeah, who knows what or why this this has has happened. Yeah, maybe it's that people have stopped believing in their Egyptian mythology. Maybe. Yeah. Um... I mean, I guess maybe we'll learn at some point. But you, you mentioned that Kanchu says uh, return from the opulence of the Overvoid or they might lose their realm. Uh, do you know what the Overvoid is? Yeah, so the Overvoid, um, some DC Comics fans might have thought that this was uh, a reference to that same plane that happens there. But this is another term that has been used occasionally in Marvel Comics uh, to describe this kind of plane of existence um in this case it's where the gods themselves are essentially like hiding out and using avatars to observe the earth um in the pages of marvel comics it's the home dimension of the egyptian gods known as the ennead and they house uh familiar gods like osiris isis and horus and so uh we've heard those names mentioned in this episode Uh, in the comics uh the overvoid is also known as the celestial heliopolis uh, and it made its debut in Thor back in 1975, but it has appeared uh, several other times over the years, including a 2016 Moon Knight comic, issue number 10. And uh, that's when the uh, overvoid term is used. So something that comes from Moon Knight comics, uh, and we'll uh, maybe hear more about it as the show goes on. And, and we should also mention that the overvoid, it's kind of like pictured like this large city built on a tiny planet. It's kind of like Asgard-like in that it's a realm. Yeah. And there's also this like golden bridge through space called the Path of Gods. That I guess is like the Bifrost. 
So yeah, maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't. <laughs> uh, the avatars are uh, that remain are only there to observe. They claim, even though I, I think like moments earlier they said that they trust their avatars to carry out their purposes. So are they there to carry out purposes, or are they there to observe? I'm I'm a little confused because they're saying two different things. I think it's more so whenever like the gods have to, have to like do something that requires their attention, such as being called, yeah. you know, to this kind of like trial, I guess, if you will, that the avatars will, um, you know, help them carry that out. But yeah, lots yeah. to be explained. Um, okay, so Kanchu calls for judgment against Arthur Haro for attempting to release Amit, and Arthur shows up and basically is he basically. Uh, gaslights Mark. He's like, you know, Mark, he's insane. Don't listen to him. He has like multiple personalities. That, that's basically what he does. And uh, he's a deeply troubled man who was abused by Conchu. I was abused, abused by Conchu. I know. That's basically what he says. Uh, so Mark uh, admits to needing help, but says that doesn't change the fact that Arthur is a dangerous person. He's trying to release Amit. Uh, the gods find he has committed no offense and uh one thing i noticed here which i think is an interesting cool detail i'm wondering if you can hear it in other appearances of arthur but when arthur walks away you actually hear the broken glass still in his shoes that he put in the beginning of the first episode oh interesting yeah so i wonder if that sound design is like wherever he walks but i, I definitely noticed it in that like really quiet you know tomb uh, so uh, Yarzil offers to help Mark. Apparently, Amit's tomb was hidden even from the gods. Which, if you ask me, Brad, it seems like very, very, very much a, a big coincidence for the story, but it, it makes very little sense. But um, anyways, there's a, a guy named Senfu who recorded the location in case the gods wanted to show mercy on him and uh so now mark needs to go on the side quest to find the sarcophagus to learn the location and uh and he can't just go to the grave because the sarcophagus was stolen and sold on the black market so now he has to find that and to do so mark is just apparently asking random people in the streets of cairo or it is. <laughs> well, I think that he like is aware of like the kind of person that he's looking for, and like that's somebody who is like it's kind of like a you know, a, yeah, a CD dealer, if you will. Like this person is you know doing one thing on the street, but like they also know you know where to find this person. Yeah, uh, Layla shows up, and Mark is not happy about it. She offers help. Uh, she wishes he had been honest with her about Stephen, and uh, and he apologizes, and he claims that. He thought he had it under control until recently, and they take this water taxi into Mogart's grand estate. So Mogart is this guy that she knows that apparently has the body. Uh, there's a party that I think might be better characterized as a mini carnival happening on the property. Uh, so the uh, they stash their things, and they notice that there's been some people following them. These have to be Arthur's people, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, so they wait for Mogart at, uh, while riders on horseback joust, and uh, 
he tells uh, his assistant tells Layla after Madripoor, you'll have a lot to talk about. And this is a place we have seen in the Marvel comics. This is a place, a place that we've seen in the MCU. What is Madripoor, Brad? Yeah, Madripoor is like this city where a lot of uh, seedy individuals, you know, criminals, smugglers, what have you, all kind of gather and there's lots of nefarious things happening. Uh, Bucky and Sam visited it in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, there's also like little hints of it in Shang-Chi uh, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, yeah, Madripoor has been around. Yeah, it, it, like the backstory. I think they say this in... Falcon Winter Soldier, but it was like a sanctuary for pirates during the 19th century. Yeah. And because of that, it just became this evolved into this lawless nation that's like this Southeast Asian city slash island. Uh, it appeared in the X-Men comics. But uh, yeah, uh, I think you did a good job uh, of explaining where it is in the MCU. Uh, what do you think Layla might have been up to in Madripoor? I mean, considering her background in obtaining different artifacts and stuff like that, it wouldn't be surprising if she had to deal with some shady characters to find and track down certain things. Maybe she's even come into contact with certain Marvel Comics uh, artifacts and paraphernalia that we'll uh, hear about later or have heard about before. You know, we don't know much about her character yet, but uh, there are plenty of certain items uh, and artifacts that are part of Marvel's mythology that she could have easily come into contact with. You know, she might have come into contact with some people we know because Sharon Carter uh, was living there and she was dealing with uh, stolen art, I think. Yes. If I remember correctly. So so maybe maybe there's a backstory there. Will we hear it? I don't know. We note that uh, Mogart, his name is Anton Mogart. He is played here by Gaspard. I'm going to butcher the last name. Yulio, I think. Um He's this French actor who has appeared in a bunch of things, a uh, very long engagement, Hannibal Ryzen. Uh, sadly, this actor died earlier this year in a ski accident and never got to see his work on this. Um, and the, the, the show is that this episode is actually dedicated to him at the end of the episode. So, um, yeah, so that sucks. Um, Anton uh, Mogart in the comics is a character named midnight man brad do you know anything about midnight man i don't okay so he first appeared in moon knight 3 in 1981 and he's a costume criminal who steals art treasures sells them on the you know the black market but get this brad his stick is he always strikes at midnight oh He's like the wet bandits. Seems like people would be aware when he's coming to steal things then. Yes. And he's also a martial artist. So I don't know. So fans are wondering, are we going to see more of this guy? Because, you know, he is a, a, a you know, a Marvel character. I don't want to say a big character. He's appeared in a bunch of things, but not like, he's not a huge character. Um, Mogart shows them uh, to this like beautifully lit pyramid display containing this, uh, the sarcophagus that they're looking for and the location is coded and just when Mark begins folding the star charts to unlock the location, Mogart's guards stop him and of course Arthur shows up as well offering Mogart the scarab in exchange for the star charts here's where I have the question for you Brad because I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on here why would Arthur want the star charts i mean i guess he in, in, in the next bit he 
he thinks he like uh he destroys them so is he just there to, to like get them off their the path yeah probably to stop anybody else from being able to f- find where he's going yeah so he's really not offering the scarab compass and he's he really he you know he in a second mentions well he mentioned a couple of things here so rather he 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 reveals an interesting bit mentioning Layla's father was murdered and that Mark knows something about it, but he can't tell the truth. So uh, last week, well, you, you weren't here, Brad, but I'm, I'm sure you know about this, but in the comics, or actually last week's episode of the, the show, those two people that were Arthur's goons that picked uh, Stephen up, they were fake cops, or maybe they were real cops. I don't know. Uh, but they looked up Stephen's name in the database, and they found out that he was accused of assassinating some archaeologists in Egypt. And uh, in the comics, that is a point where uh, he actually went along with this guy to steal some stuff, probably the scarab or whatever. And uh he, he, they ended up, kill, the guy ended up, kill, Bushman is his name. He ended up killing the archaeologist and uh, left Stephen for dead, who ended up becoming Moon Knight. Uh, that's, that's the origin story that I think we'll end up seeing at some point. Um, but, you know, there was a tease last week. Was Mark responsible for the death of these archaeologists? Brad, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think Mark was responsible? And if so, is one of those archaeologists her father? Um, yeah, I think it's possible for sure. It would, it would make sense. And that's something that he would definitely hide, uh, from her if, <laughs> if that were the case. So, but I'm sure it's probably more complicated than that. And I don't, I'll bet you willing to bet that market wasn't the actual person to make it happen, but was there. Um, and maybe just things went south and that's just, you know, how bad it got. Yeah. Um, so Arthur offers to show Mogart proof of that the Egyptian lore around these relics is actually real. And uh, basically, at that point, Khonshu demands Mark summon the suit, but he doesn't. And basically, Arthur uses Ahmet's staff to destroy this, the, the body. Doesn't tr- destroy the star charts, though. So uh, Moon Knight finally shows up, and we have this whole action sequence that follows on this property, this, this estate. What did you think of this action sequence? This felt a little contrived and clumsy to me. Like, I don't know why it like all of a sudden ended up being in the ring where they were doing this, <laughs> that like the, the horse, you know, whatever training was, was going on. Uh, and so you could have Mogart with the, with the spear coming at him and stuff on, yeah, on the horseback. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just, it just felt kind of, uh, clunky and weird and unnecessary, even though it obviously allowed Moon Knight to show off some more of his, uh, abilities with the suit and whatnot. Yeah. He protected her with the cape. He actually used the cape to fire, to fling back the bullets at the, the gunmen. Yeah. Uh, I, actually one... think, I think actually the fight, uh, between Layla and, uh, that one henchman was better than what Moon Knight had going on. I mean, I agree with you, but th- there were, some, I want to point out some good shots here. There was like a shot of Moon Knight when he jumped and his cape came out and you could actually see like, it was like, it's shaped like the Crescent Moon. It felt like 
Yes, that was like one that, of those that was a very cool panels. shot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree yeah. with that. Uh, I like. I'm trying. I'm trying to mention the things I like here. I like that Layla's necklace is actually like this crescent blades that she uses. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Moon Knight impaling uh, one of the goons with one of the spears that he's impaled with. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so in, in the middle of this action sequence, Steven pleads to Mark to give him the body and he becomes Mr. Knight and tries to defuse things it would talk that doesn't go well and he gets impaled with the adjusting poles and turns back quickly into moon Knight, and we actually see moon Knight without his mask for a second yeah just kind of weird is that the first time we've seen that i think so yeah uh so he throws his crescent blade into margaret mogart's back as he's riding away we don't see that mogart is dead if this was just a tv show and not based on a marvel thing I would be like, oh, that guy's gone. We're never going to see him again. You know, that was just, he was just to serve the purpose of this thing. But the fact that he is this, uh, this character that is known in, in the comics, uh, Midnight Man. And in the comics, he also gets killed. And then I think like five or six issues later, come, it's revealed that he didn't actually die. So I guess what I'm going to ask you, Brad, is, Am I reading too much into the fact that we didn't see him die and he kind of like got the blade as he was like riding off? Will we see him again? In this case, I don't think so, because even though there are uh, characters like this who have a a history in Marvel Comics, um, the MCU doesn't always use that history uh, and bring it to to light. And I think this is probably a case where the character merely just shares uh, a name with one in the comics and they probably won't follow through on that character's um, you know, alternate identity and the, the things that make him a Marvel Comics character. So I, I think this is probably the last we'll see of my. I don't see what like purpose it serves if he were to come back. He's not exactly all that menacing of a character. I mean, so I'm I'm doubting it. Yeah, I don't see who he would help. Anyways, like who would he help? Arthur doesn't seem like they have a relationship. Although he's out for you know stealing stuff, so maybe he finds the location of. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's no purpose he could really fulfill here. Uh, so anyways, they end up leaving. Layla grills Steven about what Arthur said about his her dad. And what is it that... Uh, actually, is she grilling Steven or Mark? I think she's grilling Mark, sorry. And uh, whatever Mark knows, he's not telling her. And I think Layla realizes that she really doesn't who Mar- know who Mark is in this moment. And... Actually, it's it's interesting that this episode begins on Layla and not Mark. It almost feels like the the filmmakers and the screenwriters want you to kind of like in this episode see things from her point of view here a little bit more, which is interesting. Um, they okay, so they can't figure out the star charts without Stephen, but. Kanchu is concerned if Mark gives Steven back the body, he won't go back, but he ends up giving in. And uh, I think the coolest part about this is we see Oscar Isaac like visibly transform in one shot from, from Mark into Steven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Steven completed the star chart and ends up being in the shape of a star. Uh, 
for whatever for whatever reason. Uh, but it's explained that stars drift over time, and so they need to know the exact placement of the stars looked like on on, on that night. And Conchu is able to turn back the stars to that night because he remembers what it looked like because he is the ruler of the of the moon space moon. Yeah, um, seems a little extreme to me, Brad. Like. I think there's this popular iPhone and iPad app. It's like called like <laughs> Star Maps or something. It's literally, I think, like on like the top twenty at all times on the Apple Store that literally can do this. I mean, that's not visually exciting, Peter. And of course, you know, it has to. Contra has to do something that gets him into trouble. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Layla finds the coordinates just as Conchu is imprisoned by the gods for doing this. And Arthur talks to the little statue of Kunchu. You can apparently hear him uh, that he's imprisoned in. And he says that uh, when he succeeds accomplishing what Kunchu could not, it will be because of the torment that Kunchu put upon him. And that brings us to the end of the episode, which is not really like too much of a cliffhanger as much as the last couple episodes. What, what did you think of the ending of this episode? You know, this is one of the reasons that, like, I feel like it's just, it's filler. It's not necessarily this big um, cliffhanger ending. You know, it's it feels more like a forced break than anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're just at a point where clearly Harrow has reached a, a key part of his plan, and we'll see what happens in the next episode. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like for a lot of the Marvel things, we have a lot to talk in speculation, and, and this... I mean, it's also the fact that we got to see the first four episodes early, but even knowing what I know, I don't, trying to look at this in a perspective of what I don't know, I don't think there's a lot to speculate upon other than like, you know, the things we brought up in this episode already, like, does Mark have a third personality? Does, uh... What's going to happen? Well, I guess what's going to happen when Layla finds out or if she finds out that Mark had, was somewhat responsible for her father's death? What do you think is going to happen with Layla? Because is she is she going to become an adversary for Mark? Yeah. Plus Steven? I mean, yeah, It's this is kind of, I guess, what's cool about this series is that um, even though we have seen the fourth episode, the fourth episode has some uh, crazy stuff happen and it's stuff that doesn't necessarily make things any clearer if anything it raises more questions uh than answers and makes the mystery even more engaging and piques our curiosity so after you see the fourth episode uh next week there'll be (laughs) tons of things to talk about um and yeah it'll be very interesting to see exactly what happens in those last two episodes because it feels like there's you know still a lot of unanswered questions leading up to that point and then even more come out of nowhere so We'll see what happens. Wait, do we only have six episodes? Yeah, it's only six episodes. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, this could have been a movie. This should have been a movie, Brad. Yeah, it really should have. I feel, I feel like they are really try. Like I, I almost wonder if some of the things are developed as movies, like the um, Hawkeye felt like it would have been better as a movie, but it didn't feel like it was big enough to be a movie. So it, it felt like it worked. I, I feel like they put it on TV because, you know, it didn't, it wasn't big. Like, you know, it wasn't world stakes. It was, it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if this was originally developed to be a movie, and they were like, you know what, this, this might work better for Disney Plus. You know, we could stretch it out to six episodes. It seems. What are your that thoughts? Way. Yeah, no, I think it this seems. A- it seems that way. I mean, it's. Um, it feels like there's definitely some some padding here. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to see more of like this Egyptian mythology come into play and like how that features into stuff. I know uh last episode with you we talked a bit about how how would Moon Knight connect with the larger MCU and last week someone wrote in and said that the showrunner basically said that it doesn't connect with the larger MCU. Um which you can't take anything <laughs> these people say at, at, at face value I feel like but I I do probably believe that in this series we won't see connections or like you know larger connections to the mcu but i think at some point you have to at least tease a connection yeah well even like outside of the series at some point there's now these new gods that exist in the overvoid and there's these avatars running around this world like i feel like that needs to connect in some way with the mcu and like even if like in the worst case scenario, Moon Knight dies at the end of the series. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, with Oscar Isaac saying he's not signed on for more stuff. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe Layla becomes the new Moon Knight or something. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, you know, what could happen, but even then, like it has to connect to the MCU in some way. Right. I mean, you would think so, um, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. I'll link in the show notes. This week, we don't have that much coverage of Moon Knight on the site. I think we have like five or six articles, but I'll link those. So if you want to read more about that, like third personality, the overvoid, a guide to the council of the gods, if you want to find out who's who, uh, there's all that in the show notes. Uh, this podcast is published every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.